This program features interviews with respected healthcare industry experts on current topics of substantial national importance. Your host for the program is David Intricasso, a DC-based healthcare policy analyst and researcher. We invite you to comment on the program by visiting thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Now, here's David. Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. Again, I'm the host, David Intracasso. During this podcast, we'll discuss the Medicare Access and Chip Reauthorization Act, or MACRA, with Mara McDermott, the Vice President of CAPG, formerly the California Association of Physician Groups. Mara, welcome to the program. Thanks, David. Great to be here. Ms. McDermott's bio is, of course, posted on the podcast website. On background, last year the Congress overwhelmingly passed and the President signed MACRA. In April, CMS published its proposed rule implementing the legislation. Title I of the legislation sunsets the 1997 Sustainable Growth Rate formula that, had the Congress not overridden nearly every year since, would have been used to calculate annual Medicare physician payment updates. MACRA creates two new methods by which CMS will now annually update physician reimbursement. The first is MIPS, the Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, and the second would be or will be via the Advanced Alternative Payment Model, or APM, pathway. Suffice to say, MIPS is made up of a composite score consisting of four measures, quality, resource use or spending, clinical practice improvement activities, and advancing care information, or what was called HIT meaningful use. To qualify as an advanced APM and receive beginning in 2019 a lump sum 5% bonus payment, clinicians must provide care to a minimum number of beneficiaries or receive a minimum amount of Medicare reimbursement tied to a care delivery model that puts at risk a percent of their reimbursement. The regulatory or implementation details of MACRA are substantial. The proposed rule is over 400 Federal Register pages. With apologies up front, our conversation will assume the listener has some understanding of MACRA Title I and how, under the proposed rule, CMS intends to implement this legislation. So with that as background, Mara, let's get into this. Much of the discussion prior to the rule's publication was speculating how CMS would define quote-unquote nominal risk, that is, for providers to qualify for the APM Advanced Payment Model Bonus, they must bear financial risk for monetary losses that the legislation states are beyond a nominal amount. CMS defined nominal financial risk as a 4% of total reimbursement. So what's your take or your organization's understanding or take on how nominal risk is defined uh, in the proposed rule? Sure. Well, it's a great question and one where there's certainly been a lot of activity. Uh, CAPG was one of a few organizations that I think was not advocating for the inclusion of the business or investment risk when CMS defined nominal risk. So as you're familiar with and, and many others may be, there was a lot of debate around particularly the startup costs for ACOs and whether that should be counted in the agency's proposed calculation of not more than nominal risk to satisfy the um, statutory criteria and to achieve that 5% bonus incentive. In the proposed rule, CMS is not proposing to include that investment or business risk in um, the definition of, of nominal risk. And that's something that 
that CAPG is in agreement with. I think we we have plenty of other concerns, but I think we look at that determination as the right direction. It was something that we had encouraged CMS to do for pre-MACRA proposed rule. To your specific question about the amount of risk that CMS is proposing, I think the way that I'm thinking about this and and some others that I've talked to are thinking about this is sort of whether CMS chose that criteria um, and then applied it to the models or looked at sort of the available portfolio of CMS and innovation center models and developed criteria that would allow some of those models to be swept in. And I think we see a bit of potential flexibility there in particular in what CMS has done around medical homes creating sort of a special financial risk standard for the medical home model. So I think we're still talking to our members about that specific 4% number, but I overall have been kind of less focused on that and more focused on the opportunity for flexibility to bring in new models in the future, provided that there's upside and downside risk. Would you agree, though, that um, physicians have to be at some level or minimal level of financial risk for them to change their behavior? I mean, that's largely what this is premised upon, that if you don't get to some minimal level, you don't see the behavior change. Yeah, so CAPG has long held the belief that there has to be downside risk involved to really see the types of changes in behavior that we are hoping to get out of delivery system reform more broadly and macro more specifically, that there has to be this two-sided risk component or a capitated model, which also we would argue is two-sided risk, but you have to have that level of investment beyond kind of an upside-only arrangement to really see the types of change in behavior and care improvement and cost control that we're looking for with MACRA. Okay, thank you. Let's go, uh, let's flip to the MIPS side of mm -hmm. the uh, legislation. Uh, again, the merit-based improvement pay incentive, excuse me, payment system. So beginning in 2019, based on 2017 performance, providers will receive between a negative and positive 4% annual payment adjustment depending on their MIPS score. This 4% increases to 9% uh, by 2022, or beginning in 2022. What's your sense of how well or not CMS constructed MIPS, and I realize that's a very complicated question because there are a lot of moving parts, least of which the four component scores. Sure. So to understand our answer to that question, I think it's important to spend a couple seconds maybe on pre-MACRA law. So for before MACRA, you have these three separate quality and performance reporting programs in Medicare Part B, each of them with, you know, a, a small-ish penalty tied to them. So PQRS, the Physician Quality Reporting System, with a 2% penalty, the value-based payment modifier with approximately a 4% penalty, depending on the size of your group, and then meaningful use with a 3 or 4% penalty tied to it. And then, you know, sort of post-MACRA's enactment, you have the roll-up of those three programs plus the fourth MACRA component equaling this, you know, sort of negative 4% potential downside and plus 4 potential upside. And so from where we've come to where we are post-MACRA, 
I feel like we've come a long way and, and done a good, a relatively good job. I think there are still certainly a lot of issues with what CMS has proposed, particularly around predictability. And I think it's one of the hugest issues for physician practices on the MIPS side and the APM side is that they want to be able to figure out where they're going to fall and the tools to do that right with the information we have right now in this rule are, you know, complicated and a little bit uncertain. Um, so I, I think we're headed in the right direction, but I do still have concerns. I would mention also one of the things that we're thinking about in the context of MIPS and that our members are focused on in the context of MIPS is that that on the positive side, the plus four, as you mentioned, that goes to plus nine. For exceptional performers and in the case that there are a lot of penalties, that bonus potential grows exponentially if there is money to pay it, you know, sort of, and if you're an exceptional performer, you can get well above 4% and well above 5%. And I think we're thinking through the agency's proposed implementation of that in terms of, you know, are there more handsome incentives on the MIPS side than on the APM side? Um, and how does that, how do those two factors balance out? Interesting. Thank you. Right. So there's a scaling factor, as they know, on the plus side of MIPS, and it's a three times. But as you suggested, uh, MIPS is budget neutral or zero sum, so it really depends on uh, scores whether or not that scaling or three times scaling factor goes into effect for the positive outliers, um, uh, whether they can receive that in the first year, the 12%. There are many moving pieces to uh, MIPS beyond the four component measures that I noted, uh, how you um, report measures, the composite weights, attribution, the data reporting thresholds. It goes on and on and on. Um, if any of those come to mind uh, or concerns, major concerns, any of those, uh, feel free uh, to note. Let's go then. Um, let's move on then. One of the larger macro issues beyond the what's defined as nominal risk is many are saying MIPS uh, is the death knell of small practices because of the proposed rules impact table. And this is a calculation CMS makes to guesstimate who wins, who loses. So in the impact table, uh, CMS has estimated that 87% of solo practices will receive a negative MIPS score compared to only 19% of practices with 100 or more eligible clinicians or professionals. And that's somewhat intuitive because obviously larger practices have more wherewithal capacity um, to uh, respond or report measures and perform on measures. Uh, what's your concern or level of concern or regard relative to uh, this uh, market effect or potential market effect? Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. For me, one of the things that we've asked CMS for is the estimated impact table without MACRA. So, as I just mentioned, you know, if you had those three separate component parts, each with a percentage reduction tied to it that increased over time, you know, to 10%, 11% in 2019, what would the effect of that have been on solo practices? And I have to imagine it would have been much worse. And so... In some ways, I hear and totally appreciate the concerns that, yes, you know, macro is going to be hard to deal with on the MIPS side if you're a solo or, or a small practice. 
Um, but I also would balance that by saying, you know, it, it, it may be that it's better than what existed before MACRA. And then, I, you know, I, for us, we've always thought that the Independent Practice Association, where physicians can maintain some of their independence but align with, you know, a, an IPA to submit their quality measures or, you know, participate in MIPS would be a good option. We're not sure that the way that CMS is defining a group necessarily aligns with that strategy at this point, but we are certainly, you know, on the lookout for options that allow physicians to maintain some independence and still benefit under MACRA. And um, there are also, of course, you know, the programs that CMS has highlighted in their FAQs and other things, you know, in terms of support and resources for small and rural practitioners, those I am admittedly less familiar with. Well, there is a great deal in the proposed about support, technical assistance, et cetera, for small practices and rural providers. And they do make some exceptions for critical access hospitals and fairly qualified health centers. So there is some customization in that regard. You make an excellent point, though, on the counterfactual. You know, what would have been uh, the market effect if we just persisted with PQRS, VM, and MU? Um, so that, that's an interesting comment. And you did mention IPAs, and there is a provision in the proposed as it relates to virtual groups, with which you were suggesting, and CMS basically punted on addressing virtual groups till next year, in part because there's just way too much for them to try to implement um, by next year. Let's go to the um, sort of the sweet spot question, possibly, for CAPG, and that's this <laughs> issue of MA participation right now. Uh, there's fee-for-service Medicare and there's Medicare Advantage Medicare, and there are two largely distinct separate programs that are silos uh, under the one umbrella Medicare program. The proposed allows for participation in MA plans in the beginning in the third performance year, meaning that if you do play an MA as a provider, that participation could be included in meeting your thresholds in being defined as an advanced APM and receiving the 5% bonus. However, uh, for this to happen, MA plans will have to um, meet the at-risk um, qualifying criteria for their physicians under contract. So uh, physicians participating in the MA plans uh, will play no near-term role, but beginning in 19 performance year, they can help physicians qualify for APM status. Um, so the question becomes, what's the appetite, uh, your sense of the appetite, both by MA plans and physicians already participating in MA plans, uh, to prepare to participate beginning in performance year 19, or some are suggesting there's a movement afoot to accelerate and allow MA plans to be counted earlier, perhaps as early as performance year 18. Sure. So we would definitely want to see the MA plans included earlier. And I, I want to make a distinction from CAPG's perspective. We're talking about Medicare Advantage risk relationships between plans and physician organizations rather than the risk relationship between CMS and the plan, which is, of course, a capitated payment. So yes. we have been calling for CMS to look at how health plans are paying physicians and physician groups in Medicare Advantage. We suspect, um, although we don't have the data to show it, we, we suspect that there is still 
a heavy amount, a large percentage of payments from plan to physician that are fee-for-service in MA. And therefore, we see the same opportunity to achieve delivery system transformation in Medicare Advantage as we see in traditional Medicare. Can you more quickly move the needle to risk if all of your risk behavior is consistent across payers rather than trying to do this with Part B first and then bring in other payers later? So that's our view. Our view is that MA should be done at the same time. Um, We think that there have been signals from CMS that they're going to start collecting that information from plans, looking at how the plans pay providers. We are hopeful that this means that there will be incentives for participation in risk relationships and Medicare Advantage. I think my, my concern at this moment around the proposed rule for MACRA is CMS seems to be trying to figure out how they would determine if a physician organization is meeting the risk threshold using factoring in their Medicare Advantage. So they can't qualify, of course, only on MA, but they can kind of look at MA and what they're doing in traditional and other payers and then hit that threshold. And, you know, one question that's come up for us is this idea that CMS is saying, you know, the plan should be providing information about how the physician organization is paid. We have wondered if the plans will be interested in that, if the plans will participate in that, particularly given that in MACRA, all of the bonus, as you know, is on the Part B side. So the plan would be disclosing, you know, information to assist the physicians in getting their bonus on their Medicare Part B revenue, which of course wouldn't directly impact the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the so, balls in the balls in uh, will be in the MA plan court. I think is accurate to say. Let me, um, you know, there's a lot of other questions we could ask about. You know, since we're talking Part A and B, Part D is not part of all of this, or not part yet. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's an interesting aspect of this, or potential dimension. Let me just ask you, there is also, and this I think is the, the, the X factor in all of this, there are these physician-focused payment models that providers can uh, forward to what's called the PTAC, the Physician-Focused Payment Model Technical Advisory Committee, which would then in turn review and recommend to CMS to adopt as a new model of performance. How optimistic are you that the industry will respond, particularly the specialty practices, in offering uh, these alternative or new models that can then be um, uh, adopted by CMS to move the provider community faster down the advanced payment model uh, pathway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think one of our one of my concerns looking at PTAC is what gaps is PTAC going to fill, and we would like to see a continuing evolution of. ACO-like models, population-based health. I think what I've observed at PTAC meetings is an opportunity or engagement by a lot of specialty societies on condition-specific models, so, you know, oncology or, or other things like that. Um, I So I'm, I, I guess I'm concerned about the types of models that will be advanced, and I'm hopeful that there will be a healthy mix of population-based and then, you know, bundles and other things of that nature. The other thing I'm now concerned about with PTAC is the time frame. So if MACRA's bonus for advanced alternative payment models, the first performance year is 2017, 
you know, it, I don't think PTAC will have anything online before that. They won't even have their final rules guiding their, sure. you know, submission of models. And if the innovation center says, you know, it takes over a year to develop a new model, I guess my question is, how quickly can PTAC meet and fill the void on the APM side? And how long are we stuck with only six models that qualify as advanced alternative payment models? Right. There's going to be some lag, if not a substantial lag. You did mention bundle mm -hmm. payments. We could go down that road. Let me just ask you as a going out question or final question, and I'll put you on the spot here, Mara. What's, assuming this proposed rule largely looks the same and final, which will likely appear in October, maybe as late as November 1st or early November, what's your, uh, what's your sense of how the provider community will be distributed in MIPS? And CMS does estimate the percent of they estimate upwards of 10% of providers, likely closer to 5%, however, providers qualify for the advanced APM. But what's your, what do you see in, say, at least 2019 payment year for 2017 performance? Do you see any, for example, significant number of plus 4% MIPS performers? I think we'll see some high-scoring MIPS performers. And I actually won't be surprised if the Track 1 ACOs are some of the highest-scoring MIPS performers. And I think what CMS has done there is created this glide path for track one, intended glide path for track one ACOs to do pretty well in MIPS. So that's number one. I, I don't think that we'll see a ton of advanced alternative payment model participants for this first year. I think the timeframes are very tight. I can say in our membership, we've had a lot of interest and questions about ACO track switching, so moving from track one to track two or three. I think that was exactly the intent of this incentive is to get the, you know, the attention of those ACOs to move them to risk. And so I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe not for the 2017 performance year, but 18 and 19, you start to see some of that movement. Right, um, real movement because we've seen glacial yeah. movement in the Medicare shared savings program still 90 plus percent in track one. So interesting point about um, ACOs performing well as MIPS APMs or Track 1 MIPS APMs because, of course, they report 34 measures and had a good deal of experience. And we know the track record is the longer you're in the program, the better you do year over year. So if you came in in 12-13, you know, MIPS may be a walk in the park for you. Um, but with that, Mara, we're at our time boundary. Uh, genuinely appreciate your comments. Very interesting in providing an overview or assessment of macro. There'll be a lot more to discuss as this evolves and goes final, certainly. So maybe we'll come back after the final and take another cut at what CMS settled upon. But with that, thank you for your time. Thank you. You have just heard another edition of the Healthcare Policy Podcast hosted by David Intricasso. To comment on this program or others, to see information about upcoming interviews, to suggest a program topic, or to hear an archive program, please visit our website, thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and please listen again soon.